And I was thinking about how confused people are about the Bible. And I came across something this week that was really fascinating about a candidate for membership in a church who appeared before the church council for examination. And one of the council members asked him, he said, "Um, what's your favorite book in the Bible? And the man said, "Um, the book of parables. Uh, The book of parables. They scratched your head a little bit and they said, "Um, can you tell us about it? So the young man boldly proclaimed, listen carefully. He said, once upon a time, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell upon thieves. And thorns grew and choked the man. And he went on, and he didn't have no money. And then he met the queen of Sheba. And she gave the man a thousand talents of gold and silver and a hundred changes of raiments. And when he was driving along under a fig tree, his hair got caught in a limb. And it left him hanging there. And he hung there for many days and many nights. And ravens came and brought him food and water. And one night, while he was hanging there, his wife Delilah came along and cut his hair. And he dropped and he fell on a stony ground. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And he hid himself in a cave. And the man went out into the highways and the byways and compelled him to come in. He went on and he came to Jerusalem. And he saw Queen Jezebel sitting high up on the window. And when she saw him, she laughed. So he said, throw her down from there. So they threw her down. And then he said, throw her down again. And they threw her down again. Seventy times seven. And the fragrance they picked were twelve baskets full. And then he turned to the council and he said to them, Now whose wife will she be in the days of judgment? Well, none of the council members were qualified to question him, so the candidate became a member. But you know... Before we dismiss this guy, I wonder how many people have such confused and fuzzy understanding of the Word of God. I wonder how many people have such confused and fuzzy understanding about the sequence of the Bible. I wonder how many people take bits and pieces of the Word of God and they kind of put them together and they make some sort of a belief system and they follow it. I wonder how many. In the next message, of course, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you how to study the Word of God to maximum effect on a daily basis. But today, I want to tell you this. Listen carefully. Your respect for God can be measured by your respect for the Word of God. And let me hasten to say that the Bible is not God. We do not worship the Bible. We do not worship a book. We worship a person, Jesus the Christ. But I want to tell you, I have been accused through the years from folks in the mainland denominations that I am a Bible worshiper. But that is absolutely not true. We do not worship the Bible. 
We revere the Bible because it is the Word of God that is without error. But you cannot tell me that if you are in love with someone, and when that person sends you a letter, that you take that letter and never open it, and you tell me that you're in love with that person. When you are in love with someone, you would literally can't wait to tear the letter wide open in order to read what's in it. Because an open letter is an opportunity for the loved, beloved one to speak to you. An unopened letter is that person not speaking to you. And when God speaks, He reveals to you and to me not only the truth about Himself, but He also reveals to us the truth about us. I want you to turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will only use me as a conduit to what you want to say to your church, both the preacher and the listeners, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is the Word of God compared to a double-edged sword? I think the Bible been written in our time probably would have said that the Word of God is sharper than a surgeon's scalpel. That's what I've said. Because back then the sword operated on people. When your body needs surgery, the surgeon's scalpel is your best friend. Now I'm going to come back to this in a minute. But there are two things I want to tell you about Hebrews here before I get to expound the two verses. Hebrews said that the Word of God is alive. What does that mean? It means that it is not merely words on pages in a book. It means that these words have God's authority. It means that these words have God's power. It means that these words have God's strength. It means that these words have God's own commands. Well, what did the Bible mean by active? It means that it produces fruit. It produces fruit. When it enters into your heart, when it enters into your mind, it will produce changed lives. That's what the Word of God does. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He said, we are born again. How? By the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. So when the Word of God acts, God acts. When the Word of God delivers, God delivers. When the Word of God heals, God heals. And according to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, there are three things that I want to share with you that the Word of God does. It is when you read it, believe it, and obey it. Number one, it stretches us on God's operating table. It lays everything bare. It lays us on God's operating table. The second thing it does, it cuts us where we need to be cut. And the third thing is this. 
It is designed to heal us and restore us. Number one, it stretches us on God's operating table. I'm going to get into the surgeon's profession here. Some are going to correct me at the end of the day, but that's all right. I've read enough to be dangerous. (laughs) I am told that when you are on the operating table, it is the time when you are most susceptible to microbes. It's when you are most susceptible to germs. Whenever you open the Word of God, Satan is there. The flesh is there. And they immediately try to neutralize the impact of the Word of God upon your life. Somebody said the devil doesn't go to church. Let me assure you, he's sitting next to you. I don't mean that. Look at your wife. But he's right here. Don't look at your spouse. But I'm telling you, the devil is in the church. And what is he trying to do? The moment the Word of God begins to penetrate into your heart and into your spirit and into your mind, he immediately tries to neutralize it. He already started right now. If I ask you to raise your hand, I'm sure to be honest, you'll tell me. He's already at work. He's trying to neutralize the effect of the Word of God. First, what he will do, he will keep you from reading the Word of God. He will try to do everything possible to stop you. But if he can't, he's going to try to get your attention away so you don't read with comprehension. He will get you distracted. Well, if he can't do that and you defeat him in that, what he will do, he will try to bring doubt in your mind about what you're reading. And the flesh and the devil will conspire every time to do whatever it takes to neutralize the benefit of the surgery that the Word of God is capable of accomplishing in your life and in mine. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Let me give you a use of translation. (laughs) He is saying that the Word of God is like an x-ray. It's like an x-ray. Lays you down, sees everything that is to be seen. It reveals who you are. It reveals everything about you. When you bear on God's operating surgical table, that Word of God is able to separate fact from fiction. It's able to separate reality from fantasy. You say, what do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. I want anxious to tell you. You and I can go for a long time in life thinking that we are just fine. We are spiritually great. You and I can go for a long time thinking that when it comes to our spirit, we are very healthy. We are just doing all right. We don't need much help. Then you go to a doctor. And he looks at the x-ray and he says to you, he says, I've got to operate immediately. Immediately. Say, wait a minute. I am fine. (laughs) At this moment, let me tell you something. There is no pretense. There is no trying to say, well, I am fine. I already don't need this this, this surgery. All the talk ain't going to help you. Are you ready for me to be upfront with you like I've never been before? (laughs) I'm going to step on some toes, but I'm going to tell you. Listen to me. As long as you compare yourself with somebody else, you're going to feel fine about yourself. As long as you compare yourself 
with somebody else, you feel fine. Listen, it's very easy for me as a preacher (laughs) to find somebody who struggles with issues that I don't struggle with. It's easy for me to find somebody who struggles with more issues than I struggle with. And I begin to compare myself to him or her. What the first thing I'm going to say, I'm going to feel about myself. Oh, man, I'm super duper. I mean, I am the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm going to delude myself. Oh, but you know what happens when at 5 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> when I'm sitting there on God's operating table, and I find myself laid bare before God, when everything is before him who can see all things, when nothing is hidden from his eyes in front of his word, when all hidden issues in my life are wide open, when things that I don't want to deal with confront me head on, when my pride and self-satisfaction and smugness hit me in the face, when I am confronted by him, with his own standards, not the standards of somebody else. When doors that I have tried to keep locked begin to open wide. When I am being laid bare with his word to his eyes, I'm often forced to conclude with the Apostle Paul that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I am forced to conclude that the only good thing about Michael Yusuf is Jesus Christ. And so the Word of God not only stretches us wide open on the operating table, the Word said lays us bare, but it also cuts us where we need to be cut. Now, I have never met anybody who had been through surgery, who said, man, I enjoyed that. (laughs) That was such a great experience, I can't wait to go back. But I've never met anyone who had been through surgery, and God used that surgery to bring them to health without saying, I thank God that I've been through it. And it's the same way when the sword, the double-edged sword, works in your life and in mine. You see, that's the job of the double-edged sword. Listen carefully. The Word of God here does not mean that the sword divides spirit and soul or divides joints from the marrow. It doesn't mean that at all. Some people really misunderstand that. In fact, in the human body, I'm told, joints and marrow are not in contact with each other. They don't need to be separated, therefore. The point of the passage is this, that the Word of God cuts through to the bone, That's what it means. It means that the Word of God penetrates deep into the inner recesses of our spiritual being. That's what it means. It means the Word of God doesn't miss a thing. And so the separation is not dividing one part from the other. Not at all. But it means that it goes very deep into every single cell in your spiritual body. It means that the Word of God stops at nothing until it brings it all up in the open and then cuts it. Listen, take it from me. When you're lying down on God's operating table, there can be no pretense, (laughs) no pretense in any area 
of life. No pretense. And that, see, that's why, listen to me, that's why the devil and the flesh do not want you to stay very long before the word of God. He doesn't want you to stay on that operating table. He doesn't want you to be there so God can begin to cut all the things that he needs to take out of your life and my life. The writer to the Hebrews said, the word of God judges not only your thoughts, but even your hidden motives. You may do something wonderful, but you know, when you planned it in your head, you said, if I do it this way, I'm going to get this and I'm going to do this. And all those is inside, all these thoughts inside of you, nobody else knows it except you and God. And the word of God, when you open it, it immediately judges your motives. What does it mean? You see, we're living in such culture, as I talked to you about this postmodern culture in the last message, that is non-judgmental. You know, we can't judge anybody, nobody judge anybody. And we got into all this stuff, and we took that all the way to God and the Bible. But let me tell you something. What the writer to the Hebrews is saying, that the Word of God is sitting in judgment on you. It is sitting in judgment on me. That's what the Word of God is doing. It's judging not just my activities, it's not just my thoughts, but even my motives. The secret intentions. You know, one of the biggest lies of culture, listen to me, the biggest lie of this culture is do what you feel is right. (laughs) Pray tell me, feeling is so subjective and can be totally unreliable. What if your feeling and my feeling are in contradiction? You see, that's why they don't want to have anything that reminds them of the authority of God and the standards of God. Get rid of it. Do what you feel is right. The Word of God does. It sorts out reality from fiction. It sorts it all out. It says to you, this is right. This is wrong. This is of the flesh. This is of the spirit. Let me give you an example. I hope it doesn't lead to confession. When you are driving alone on the highway and somebody cuts in front of you and nobody's watching you, you're alone in the car, you have no passengers, and what do you do to retaliate? You know, Christians may not cuss, but they use sign language. <laughs> Whatever you do, God is watching. And then you come in the morning, whatever the evening, whatever the time, before God's operating table. And what does the Word of God say to you? It sets in judgment. It judges you. It says, that wasn't glorifying to God, was it? And it begins to bring you under conviction. In fact, I can tell you, somebody asked me not so long ago. Somebody was talking to me and he said, you know, why do you have all this accountability about your time and about your money? And why do you have all this accountability? Don't you trust yourself? (laughs) I said, you said it. (laughs) I I was shocked. He went white. What do you mean you don't trust? Yeah, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let's just not play games, Okay. Let's not play games with each other. You and I are experts in self-deception. We really are. 
Now, I said, some of you are sanctimonious and not going to say amen to that, but that's okay. I understand. <laughs> you and I are experts in rationalization. You and I are experts on deluding ourselves. You and I are experts on trying to project an image of ourselves that is far from reality. And even we try to believe it ourselves. Let me tell you something. You can take this to the bank. We all try to hide the true self from the public self. And you know what? We actually have created a double security system to ensure this defensive mechanism. We have. Oh, it's enforced with thousands of rationalizations. It's enforced with hundreds of excuses. It's enforced with tens of explanations. Why is this and why is that? And, and, And we all, they're all really designed to explain away why we do what we do, why we think the way we think, and why we spend our money the way we spend our money, why we read what we read, and why we watch what we watch and see what we see, and on and on and on and on. But the Word of God penetrates through all this clutter and says, forget all this. And the sword begins to cut away at these security systems and gets all the way into the vault and begins to sort what is real and what is fiction, what is true and what is fantasy. You know what Jeremiah said years ago? He said, the heart is deceitful and above all things corrupt. Michael, you don't trust yourself. You got it. What we cannot do for ourselves, the Word of God does for us. The Word of God not only lays us and stretches us on God's operating table, the Word of God not only cuts us where we need to be cut, but finally, the Word of God heals us and restores us. There is not a surgeon who is worth his salt that would open up a patient and would not sew him back up in order the wound may heal and the person become restored into full health, to full strength. In fact, I heard about this surgeon who was invited as a guest at a dinner party and while his host was carving the meat, the host kept on running his mouth. And he kept saying, you know, how am I doing, doc? You know, one of those people. <laughs> he said, how do you like my technique? And he kept running his mouth. I, 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 I'll make a good surgeon, don't I? <laughs> and when he finished and stopped bragging, finally his guest said to him, he said, Harry, anybody can cut them apart. It's putting back together that really matters. <laughs> and that's what the Word of God does. It doesn't just lays us on the table, cuts out what needs to be cut. It sews us together in order to restore us to full health, spiritual health. That's what the surgeon does. And that's what the Word of God does. He cuts what he needs to cut and then he puts it together for healing. You know, I know it's sort of in our nature, to try to run away from the person whom we think know too much about us. It's just human nature. 
<laughs> Let me tell you something. God knows everything about you that is to be known. And therefore, where are you going to hide? And once you get this thought deep into the recesses of your mind and into your heart and under your belt, when once you get that thought, I believe that's the beginning when you become a realistic about yourself. And through the Word of God that lays us bare, cuts us where we need to be cut, and then does all of that for these reasons, in order that the Word of God may heal us, so that the Word of God may fulfill us and bless us and enrich us and strengthens us and forgives us and pours more grace from God into our lives. And that is why the writer of the Hebrews goes down a few more verses, verse 16 of chapter 4, and he says the following. He said, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, not in fear and trepidation, but with confidence, so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we let the Word of God reign in our lives, we let God reign in our lives. Father, Only you and the power of your Holy Spirit can truly convict. Only your word can lay us bare, cut us where we need to be cut, and then sow us together to heal us. And so, Father, it is you that we come to for power and for strength. These could be just empty words, will be forgotten in 30 minutes. If your Holy Spirit does not Allow them to penetrate deep into our hearts and follow up on the conviction. And I thank you, Lord, that you promised that your word will not return to you void. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.